Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include business arrangements, my interview with Simple Nexus, Andrea Lightfoot, and Marine Bank and Trust Sean Williams on executing a competitive mortgage strategy in today's market, and a look at Fannie and Freddie's earnings. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, MCT and its investor services, which helps investors scale their seller base, automate the bid process, source whole loan and flow co-issue production, automate AOTs, and analyze performance all in a cost-effective manner. So who wants to go in with me on starting a second home company with a common sense name? We can call it a Let's Split It. (laughs) Tagline will be Your Perfect Vacation Home Awaits. Wouldn't... I got a guy be a cool name for a business and useful. Call the number, they hook you up with a plumber who shows up or a gutter repair person who is competent or whatever you need. New companies are out there. When it comes to companies that have been around for a while, Freddie Mac announced its newly enhanced mortgage rate survey. In Progress Residential, with over 85,000 single-family rental homes, is now the largest single-family rental homeowner in the United States, surpassing invitation homes. The company has been growing at a rapid rate, accompanied by criticism and protests from tenants and community organizations for unsafe practices and problems. Yes, institutional investors once again buying single-family homes. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Simple Nexus Andrea Lightfoot and Marine Bank and Trust Sean Williams. Sean Williams is Chief Lending Officer and EVP at Marine Bank and Trust. And he's been a banker for over 25 years, as well as being a certified mortgage banker with the Mortgage Bankers Association. Andrea Lightfoot is Chief Customer Officer of Simple Nexus, an Encino company. As Chief Customer Officer at Simple Nexus, Andrea Lightfoot oversees all customer-centric activities of the company's customer division, including professional services, customer success, support training, and integration engineering. She's a renowned mortgage technologist with experience leading mortgage operations, providing strategy for enterprise software solutions, and implementing innovative change management solutions. Today's interview topic is executing a competitive mortgage strategy in today's market. And Sean, I want to start with you. Can you tell us how you and your team are operating in the current market conditions? What are you most proud of and which strategies have you found to succeed? Sure, Rob. Well, first of all, it's great to be with you. Um, Well, obviously, uh, we're operating much differently from last year. Uh, Like everyone else, we were trying to keep our heads above water last year. uh, We were in the midst of originating a record number of mortgages. I mean, that's true of the industry. That was true of my bank. I mean, refinances, purchases, we do construction loans as well, HELOCs, I mean, pretty much everything. And refinances accounted for us, at least, for about 40% of our pipeline. And that's mostly gone now. Uh, but the purchase business and the construction lending business uh, has remained, and we've picked up quite a bit on HELOCs as well. So all in, our pipeline is down about 35%, which in this environment, Rob, I'll take that as a win. <laughs> and you know, I think probably what I'm most proud of is that we prepared for this last year. Uh, we knew last year was an anomaly and that the low rates and the market impact of those low rates wouldn't last forever. Um, I thought Jerome Powell and the Fed were sleeping at the wheel. 
And uh, I didn't believe for a second that inflation was transitory. Uh, and, and, then I, and I really did believe that eventually the bond market would catch up and agree and send rates higher, which would, of course, cool off the market. So despite the fact we were having a record-breaking year last year and working around the clock to originate loans, we really doubled down on the number of office presentations and community events in the market because nobody else was, right? I mean, you, you could argue you didn't have to, but because the business was so good, but we were out there and those presentations are really paying dividends for us this year through sustained purchase business and construction lending business. Because I, I'll tell you what, I believe, I'm a, I came up through the sales side and I really do believe that office presentations to agents are the foundation of a good relationship building call plan. And by that, I mean, I don't, I don't mean going in and like, you know, a lot of, I've seen office presentations by other lenders and they're really not that good. I mean, they go in and what do they do? They say, oh, you know, I got this product, I got this rate. Uh, you know, the truth is agents really don't care about any of that. They care about making money. And so when I talk about uh, presentations, I'm talking about a presentation that agents feel they got something of value from, something that teaches them how to be more successful and make more money. And, you know, maybe maybe it's something as simple as showing them how to use their social media accounts better, you know, how to improve their Facebook page. Uh, you know, maybe it's showing them how to increase their Google traffic or, you know, maybe boost their online reviews. But, you know, look, whatever it is, creating value for agents, in my opinion, is the best way to differentiate yourself from all the product pushers out there. I mean, you still got to do the basics, right? I mean, you know, the blocking and the tackling, but that's not enough. And so I'm really proud of the fact that our team was doing things last year that other lenders just couldn't be bothered with or were unwilling to do because the times were good. And now that the times aren't so good, you know, we're still pulling in our fair share of deals. And that's why I'm proud. I got to tell you, it puts a big smile on my face uh, to hear you were prepared because there's a lot of companies right now that are a little behind the eight ball and scrambling to catch up or, or weren't able to scale in a way that is going to keep them running to the other side of this cycle. Question for both of you, and Andrea, let's start with you. I'd love to hear both your thoughts on opportunities that exist for lenders right now. Where should their focus be? Well, thanks so much for having me, uh, Robbie. Sean is dead on that those that were prepared are going to rule the day in 2023. And what I mean by that is um, if you were flush with volume and units, um, oftentimes in all my years of mortgage, what we tend to forget is are you hunting for the right loan programs, not just the right referrals. And when you're looking at your capital market strategy going into essentially, you know, purchase driven market where uh, now with high interest rates, it's going to be more and more difficult to find the right program for a borrower to get them in their dream home. And I love the, you know, old adage everybody's using again, which we've heard so many times about, you know, date the rate, marry the house. But at the end of the day, if you have uh, tightened up on some of your credit policy internally, or you have, you know, quite frankly, ignored some of the boutique investors that were out there offering 80-20 programs. Interest only is still alive out there. I had a lender say, you know, I just we just didn't want to do HELOCs. There wasn't any money in that game. Well, guess what? You can still find some pretty significant uh, profit margin in a HELOC 
to go out and increase, you know, unit capacity on existing refi volume of uh, referrals. So I would say don't don't sleep on what loan programs are going to start creeping up here. We're already starting to see some very interesting things above and beyond the 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 really popular word right now, which is buy down, right? And to Sean's point, if you're not educating your realtors on what a buy down is and how it is different from an arm, you're, you're kind of behind the curve right now with high interest rates. Sean? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with everything she said. I mean, look, you know, every lender, in my opinion, I mean, should be preparing for the next upswing, the next cycle upward. I mean, look, things are a little bit slower right now. So what? I mean, use the additional time that you have to audit your internal processes and your technology stack. Uh, I mean, last year's financing boom should have made your processes and technology gaps obvious, right? I mean, because, you know, we were just, we were at wit's end with so many deals and it was pretty obvious where our gaps were. So, you know, look, where, ask yourself, where were the pain points last year? Um, where do you believe that you can drive more efficiency? Uh, you know, what were you doing manually last year that could be automated. Uh, you know, maybe you didn't have time for an integration last year because everything was so crazy, but you know, you probably do now. Um, you know, how can you create a better borrower experience? I mean, do you even understand what the borrowers want? Do you even understand what the agents want? And you know, going back to to her point, you know, what loan programs or products were being requested last year? that you didn't have available or weren't able to provide. I mean, what niche, you know, exists in your market? I mean, every community is different. I'm, I'm here on the East Coast of Florida. And uh, one of the markets that we serve is the Space Coast, which is where Cape Canaveral is, you know, all the, all where we launch all the rockets. But we also have an Air Force base there. You know, maybe we should consider uh, a VA uh, specialty. You know, that the point is, is that, you know, use your time wisely. In this in this situation that we're in right now, I mean, do do a genuine SWOT analysis and firm up any gaps that you have, and and if you don't, I can assure you that your competitors are. So you know, if you're not doing it, you're going to be ill prepared when the cycle turns again. And as history has shown many many times before, it will turn upward again, and we we just need to be prepared for it. Andrea, you came from a mortgage operations background before joining Simple Nexus. How can lenders best evaluate and streamline their operations and which areas have the potential to deliver the most impact? You know, I, I love what Sean is saying here about focusing on the pain points of last year, because I found that oftentimes we would get into a down market, gone through a couple of them in my career now, and we would go immediately to the tech stack and say, OK, let's look for how to drive efficiency and automation. But what I would caution is that the quality of what your operation staff is doing, operational excellence, and how you evaluate that can be the biggest differentiator in a purchase market, especially. Because when deals came in, when we found new relationships coming out of the woodwork, it was when we were rescuing deals from poorly run mortgage operation shops. It wasn't just the sales team. Sales team's incredible. They're out there shaking hands, kissing babies, making deals, right? But if you cannot execute with high quality, meaning was the pre-approval accurate? Did you miss some data point um, along your 222 evaluation of either, you know, gift letter, cash in the bank, there were some insufficient funds early in the cycle. You need to be looking at how the technology, that efficiency and automation is driving the quality. And the same is true if you think you are saving yourself money 
by cutting deeply to the bone in your tech spending, you will find that the human spackle approach will deteriorate quality. Because guess what? It's still human beings with a pair of eyeballs, checking pages, checking paper. So try to look at a balanced approach of your operational ex- excellence as a differentiator to say, I can have both technology and automation and accuracy going down to how quickly am I turning the file to get it into underwriting and processing? How fast are those validations coming in? Am I using verification tools that are out there? Am I using the best in breed um, automation when it comes to appraisal ordering and appraisal review and notifications to all parties? These are going to be drivers of actually getting the file done faster and with a higher degree of quality. And Sean, from a management perspective, how can lenders improve on balancing the needs of their originators with delivering an optimal borrower experience? That's a great question. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, I actually start from the premise that you don't have to balance those needs because it's not really a one or the other type of thing. I mean, I actually think delivering an optimal borrower experience is precisely what originators want. And why do they want it? Well, I mean, a better borrower experience usually means a better agent experience. uh, And that usually means a better reputation for the originator in the market, which translates to more referrals, more repeat business, and ultimately more money. I mean, look, the frustration I hear from originators out in the market is that beyond the corporate brand and the corporate reputation, it's ultimately their personal brand and personal reputation that's on the line. So if you're asking me how lenders can improve on balancing those needs, I would say providing a better borrower experience will be your ultimate recruitment tool. Um, It'll not only help you recruit and retain uh, superstar originators, but beyond that, it can help you recruit and retain everyone that supports those originators along the way. I'm talking about the processors, the closers, et cetera. I mean, um, you probably remember the movie Catch Me If You Can with uh, Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio comes on every year at Christmas. Well, the the main character, Frank uh, Abagnale, he keeps asking in the movie, why do the Yankees always win? And, And he keeps saying, it's because the other team can't stop looking at the pinstripes. But and, and there's probably some truth in that statement, but the character played by Tom Hanks, who's pursuing him throughout the movie, I think he provides a better answer. He ultimately says toward the end of the movie that the Yankees always win because they have Mickey Mantle. I mean, to, to the point made earlier, I mean, technology is great, but we're still ultimately a people business. And if you can use technology to create the most optimal borrower experience possible, I believe the Mickey Mantles of the mortgage business will want to join your team. And if you can attract enough of those, you're going to always win big, just like the Yankees. <laughs> well, the Yankees didn't quite win big this year, but I, I certainly understand the point you're making. Andrea, I want to close with you. How does Simple Nexus support lenders in executing a technology strategy that balances the originator experience and the borrower experience? Well, I have to, you know, full disclosure, I um, am a recovering mortgage practitioner, right? I came to the dark side of fintech and all my 20 plus years in mortgage, uh, I did old school Sandler sales techniques right right along the loan officers. And so I'm going to tell you a yes and. I'm not going to tell you no. I'm not going to tell you exactly like Sean said, it's one or the other. For us, it has to be both. 
because borrowers, myself included, expect an intuitive and easy experience. Uh, not to name names of of the uh, 800-pound um, you know rocket in the room, but you know push button, click mortgage. That that sort of sentiment <laughs> speaks to the fact that I want to sit on my couch, and you know it it is an applicable construct on borrower experience that I want a very simplified easy to understand, accessible, a mobile app centric that is critical. I want to point out that is critical regardless of demographic. We have the data to show, especially post pandemic, whether you're, you know, boomer, Gen X, millennial, Z, you are accessing mobile app and searching on a mobile app, uh, not just the the internet anymore, at a rate of 65% or higher. So when I want an easy, intuitive experience, Simple Nexus has invested in the research and development teams and the technology engineers that are coming in. They've done this in other industries. They've um, absorbed everything we need to know in mortgage, and they're building to what those borrowers expect. But here's the really interesting differentiating factor of this human interaction. When I go to buy a house, I'm not just ordering a bottle of shampoo <laughs> off of Amazon. I'm actually participating in what could be possibly the single most stressful life event on the, the home's Rahi scale, right? Your, your social readjustment scale tells you how stressful roughly is this event you're going through. And then you have what's called stress pile up. Um, if you look at the top 20, a mortgage by itself is number 20. If you look at the top 25, explicitly mortgages called out three times, essentially, you know, foreclosure, housing change, change and uh, financial status. But when you look at the top 10 things in your life that are gonna cause you a good deal of stress, um, and I think Sean and I have a couple of miles on us so we can attest to this. You are looking at a life event that actually triggers a mortgage event, a financing event in your life. So you are working through something that's typically compounded, meaning whether I got a job or I was fired from a job, whether I got married or I got divorced, whether we're adding a family or there's been a loss of life, whether it's positive or negative, the stress that a human will feel in the middle of this very big change in their life requires exactly what Sean's saying, the expertise of a consultant, a loan officer who wants to really be at the heart of your home ownership journey. And that is really the tagline for Simple Nexus, because we looked at our personal experiences in mortgage coming in as mortgage practitioners and said, let's build software that says yes. And yes, we're going to invest in borrower experience. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be easy. You can send app referrals. You can push button click. You're going to be able to compete with mega banks out there, top 10 banks spending well into the billions to have their engineering scrum teams. We're going to provide that for you. That's the fee. That's the SaaS fee we're providing. But at the same time, we've been building quietly over here and steadily to helping the loan officers continue to be the heart of the ecosystem of the homeownership journey. They are the support behind keeping the realtors calm. (laughs) Keeping the appraisers, you know, move in. You got the processor calling, trying to get everything done. You've got people calling you back. You need to be responsive. And what's fascinating to me is that when you start seeing some data that's coming out post pandemic, um, the 2022 most recently published home buyer sentiment index puts put rates still like 50% of customers rates were going to be the reason they picked um, a loan officer to work with, but actually. The mortgage process, the rapport, the response time, that all speaks to who the loan officer is and what tools they have in their tool belt. So we're able to actually impact who a borrower will select by simply giving the loan officer more functionality at their fingertips because the best 
$100 million originator I ever worked with said to me that he could not compete with automation that could be working 24 hours a day around the clock to respond to the needs of his borrowers. And that's why he embraced the technology is he wanted to be able to give all of that personal feedback, that personal touch and help reduce the anxiety of what what can be possibly a very stressful situation in life. So Simple Nexus, we try to do both. Uh, We think we do it really well. And we are the only provider out there who actually brings in all of your partners, your insurance agents, your realtor, your borrower, everyone into that loan app experience alongside of you to be at the heart of the journey. And I will do a shameless plug for Simple Nexus here and say, when there's a seamless end-to-end solution, it takes a ton of stress out of the process. I want to thank you both for talking to me today. Really enjoyed it. And hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Thank you. Thanks. Over the months and years, Fannie and Freddie continues to see the lion's share of residential loans. What they do, the industry follows, and let's see what's going on out there ahead of the end of next week, or right after Thanksgiving's conforming loan limit announcement. Freddie Mac reported its third quarter 2022 financial results and filed its quarterly report on Form 10-Q with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Freddie had $1.3 billion of net income, making home possible for 542,000 households in the third quarter of this year, financing 392,000 mortgages, with 56% of eligible loans being affordable to low to moderate income families, and enabled 130,000 first-time homebuyers to purchase a home. Freddie also financed 150,000 rental units with 96% of eligible units being affordable to low to moderate income families. Fannie Mae announced earnings for the third quarter with $2.4 billion in net income, with net worth reaching $58.8 billion as of September 30th, 2022. Net income decreased $2.2 billion in the third quarter of this year compared with the second quarter. The largest driver of this decrease was an increase in credit-related expense, primarily driven by lower actual and projected home prices. $134 billion in liquidity provided to the single-family and multifamily mortgage markets in the third quarter, with $92 billion of single-family home purchase acquisitions, more than 45% were for first-time homebuyers. Fannie acquired approximately 285,000 home purchase loans and 99,000 single-family refinance loans during the third quarter, with approximately 143,000 units of rental housing financed, a significant majority of which were affordable to households earning at or below 120% of area median income, providing support for both workforce and affordable housing. Mortgage-backed security prices dropped a little and treasury yields trended higher to open the week despite the market not receiving any data. Markets often bounce after a big move, so that was no surprise. After we learned last week that the consumer price index rose 0.4% in October and was up 7.7% year-over-year, the rate hike conversation continued. Fed Governor Waller said that a 50 basis points increase is being considered for the December meeting. Fed Vice Chair Brainerd said that the time is coming for the central bank to moderate the size of its interest rate increases, and while she favors downshifting to a half-point move as early as next month, she also said there's still additional work to do. That being said, the New York Fed's latest survey of consumer expectations showed an increase in one-year inflation expectations to 5.9% from 5.4%, while three-year inflation expectations increased to 3.1% from 2.9%, and the Fed monitors inflation expectations. Speaking of the Fed, the Fed's moves are having an impact. 
Growth in consumer credit slowed in the third quarter from an 8.7% annualized rate to 6.8% as rising interest rates shifted consumer behavior. Also declining was small business optimism for October as businesses are still concerned with inflation and the potential effects on sales over the coming months. Additionally, 90% of those surveyed still need help filling open positions as applicants remain scarce or are simply unqualified. The Mortgage Bankers Association reported that the delinquency rate for mortgage loans on 1-4 unit residential properties decreased to a seasonally adjusted rate of 3.45% of all loans outstanding at the end of the third quarter of 2022, according to its National Delinquency Survey. For the purposes of the survey, MBA asked servicers to report loans in forbearance as delinquent if the payment was not made based on the original terms of the mortgage. The delinquency rate was down 19 basis points from the second quarter of 2022 and down 143 basis points from one year ago. Today's economic calendar has already seen November Empire State Manufacturing up 14.5 and the producer price index for October up 0.2% and up 8% for the year. Excluding food and energy, it was up 6.7% for the year. Headline PPI was expected to increase 0.4% month over month and 8.2% year over year, so producer inflation is less than expected. Later this morning brings Redbook same-store sales and several Fed speakers, Governor Cook, Philadelphia Fed President Harker, and Vice Chair for Supervision Barr. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by a quarter to three-eighths and the 10-year yielding 3.77 after closing yesterday at 3.87%. Have we switched to expectations of more gradual Fed actions? Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. You know you've reached middle age when you're cautioned to slow down by your doctor instead of the police. <laughs> Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, MCT and its investor services, which helps investors scale their seller base, automate the bid process, source whole loan and flow co-issue production, automate AOTs, and analyze performance all in a cost-effective manner. about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.